Hey, what's up, Real Madrid fans? We're back for another episode. My name's Mushtaq, the host of the podcast. And on the other end is Hassan. Uh, make sure to follow us on Twitter and the Real Champs account. The Real Champs Twitter is at the Real Champs FS. Hassan's is at the Haskarim. And mine is at M. Nizamdin7. I almost confused my Instagram and my Twitter account before. <laughs> I mean, if you want to follow me on Instagram, it's at M. Nizamdin. So go ahead. I'd appreciate the love because. I'm trying to go. Madrid played their last Champions League game this week. I believe it was on Wednesday. That was against Club Bruges. It was a 3-1 win. Of course, this weekend, though, Real Madrid will be playing against Valencia and the, I almost said Champions League, in La Liga. So first, we're going to take a look at the Champions League, take a quick look at the teams that Real Madrid could come up against, and then, of course, the La Liga match. But enough of me talking. Hassan, how was the game on Wednesday for you? Uh, it wasn't it was an awfully bad. Expected, we expected that lineup, didn't we? We expected a, a very rotated, young lineup, which we got. Um, I was pretty happy with it. I'm guessing you were probably pretty happy with it, largely too. Um, the performance itself, I don't know, wasn't blown away. wasn't completely disappointed. Uh, they got the 3-1 win. Um, some bright moments from Rodrigo. Some bright moments from uh, Militao other than the giveaway for the goal. Uh, bright, a couple of bright spots for Jovic, actually, as well. Uh, Vinicius was okay as well. wasn't too bad. So, yeah, it wasn't, it wasn't the worst performance. It wasn't the best, but we roll. Well, like you said, so we, I think for the most part, you and I got the starting 11 pretty spot on. Um, Rodrigo... I mean, killing it. I think he has, like, what, six goals from, like, eight shots on target or something weird like that, or 11 shots on target. I don't know. He's clearly efficient. His shot selection is really good. Vinicius, his first Champions League goal, is really interesting. In a post-match, he was asked about getting a tattoo or something for scoring his first goal, and he said he had to ask <laughs> yeah. his dad. He had to get his dad's permission. It was good, bro. Which I thought oh, was I love that. Cool. Um, Militao was, like you said, there's it's just nice to see him play because he doesn't get a lot of minutes. Um, but yeah, he, we can clearly see how fast he is, how good he is on the ball. And he definitely tracks back quickly to clear out any sort of danger. And I think him and Varane are definitely like the pairing of the future. So this game as a whole really was a great glimpse into the future. Um, we did mention the last podcast, Luka Jovic probably not getting the service or at least I thought he needed a more mature cast around him to get some good service. Uh, didn't work out entirely, and that's not to knock um, Rodrigo or Vinny, but, I mean, he still created some chances of his own, had a couple shots on target, so... And he had one really cool dribble at the top of the box, and I was, like, yeah. thoroughly impressed with it, so, yeah. Um, he, uh, he had a... I said this in my takeaways as well. He had a... a he showed a different side to his game. Obviously, we know him as the potential sort of fox-in-the-box, sort of silent, go-to-sin-behind-defenders-assassin kind of striker. Just that very predatory striker that just thrives on finding space in the box. But in this game, he kind of showed elements of show uh, of build-up and creativity that we've obviously not expected nor seen much of. I mean, I saw a little bit of it in Frankfurt. Um, but, yeah, by and large, he showed a lot of that sort of passing... Uh, Passing passing game, I think he went four for four on his long balls, which was an interesting stat, I thought. Uh, and then also, I think he he had a hand in the second goal. 
uh, where he had the ball crossed in. He knocked it down yeah. to Rodrigo. He did. He uh, did. Who, who Rodrigo kind of did some, I don't even know what he did. He kind of like <laughs> shot it off the defender and it went to back heel and missed the ball and it kind of just rolled off his shin. Yes. Um, and then he tried to play it off. I was like, fair play, kid. I respect the hustle, but we, we all know you didn't mean it. <laughs> uh, but yeah, man, it was it was, it was was a decent performance from Jovic, I feel. I think a lot of people are kind of saying, oh, he had a bad... I don't think he had a bad game. I don't think he had a good game or a great game, but he didn't have a bad game either. Yeah, just feeding off of everything you said, I mean, the last sentence there really summed it up. It wasn't great. It wasn't bad either. But it was definitely one of those games where if you just paid attention to the stat sheet or the stat chart, it was not a clear indication of what he did. And I don't want to say impactful because it's not like he had five chances created or something. But I think I just thought of the perfect word. He was present. Like he was there. It was evident that he was on the pitch. He played his role. And he did things that are very different to what we're used to seeing him doing. And I know it might seem like I just have a Benzema agenda at this point, but I really do think that that comes down to not only Karim Benzema, but also Luka Modric and the backing of Zinedine Zidane, which is a very unique thing about this Real Madrid team. I find that a lot of these youngsters are able, it's almost like each one of them have their, their have a Real Madrid someone who is consistently in the starting 11 plays a key role in this team and they're kind of helping them you know like get through this process and like find themselves find their feet on this team and instead of it just being like a passing of the baton it's almost like you know instead of just pushing the bird out of the nest and saying going and fly it's like they're holding their hand and kind of ushering them through the process and guiding them through all of it which I think is really nice because Luka Jovic dropping deep and, you know, making those dribbles. And I think there was once or twice he had maybe not the quickest of interplays, but still, like, you can see that he's paying attention to what Karim Benzema does. And it's not that he's just trying to completely emulate it, but he's trying to add a new dimension to his game, which is very neat considering how young he is. Of course, I don't know if Benzema had a mentor of his own. I'm sure he did. He's a great player himself, but... The fact that he can pass on all that experience and everything he knows about the game, both IQ and how to actually play with his feet to a kid who's as young as Jovic, it's like, I mean, I don't know what else you could ask for, really. You know, your manager can coach you, but when you have another player being able to do that as well, holy smokes, like, it's just... it's just a good thing, really. That's what I'm trying to say. Yeah, definitely. definitely. It's awesome. But anyway, it's a 3-1 win. Jeez, I feel like I talk so much. And it's a podcast that so you're supposed to talk, but I feel like I chat <laughs> way too much. Um, so the 3-1 win, I don't think there's anyone else we really need to highlight, except for Isco's poor performance. Like, that was so... Yeah. yeah. And I'm not trying to make excuses for him, but I really, really don't feel no, like... You, it, you don't the... rattle certain man <laughs> out there. <laughs> Oh, I don't. But the I, I truly do feel, and you made this point to me like a few years ago, and I feel like I've just caught on to it now myself. Um, I don't really like just agreeing with someone until I actually see it. Not to say that I disagreed with you, but I feel like unless Isco was played in a diamond, like he really isn't efficient. Like he doesn't know how to play as a wide player in a 4-3-3 in the midfield. He can kind of be okay in the attack, but then again, if he's in the attacking third 
or if he's a part of the attacking three, he just gets a free roll anyway. So it just ends up being a diamond. So it's like, unless he plays a role suitable for that, my God, because the first half, it was just Luka Modric and Isco both trying to like get something going. But it just seemed like they'd cancel one another out. And then the best midfielder of the half was Casemiro. And I was like, what the hell is this? Yeah, it was a strange one to see Casemiro like just doing all the sort all all the work in the middle, like um, in, in a sense, kind of worrying as well. But uh, not, I mean, not to the degree where it's like crap. Like we can't afford for that to keep happening, sort of thing. But noticeable enough that you sort of think, yeah, they kind of need Plan B uh, in that sense. And obviously, that's where the transfer window comes in where you have someone to kind of do that stuff. So whether that's Donny van der Beek, Paul Pogba, Fabian Ruiz, whoever. Um, that's what I think that's why Zidane's so key up on getting that kind of guy in. Because uh, outside of Fede and Modric, we don't really have that kind of guy who makes those uh, box-to-box runs. Cross tries as hard as he does try. He's not always proficient with it. Um, and Casemiro, whilst he does have elements of being able to do it, I just don't think he's good enough to do it consistently. Uh, and it's not his job anyway, so uh, we do need that extra extra option when either Modric is either unavailable having a bad day or, or Fede again the same. So yeah, that's that's a problem in, in itself, sort of. That's again a transfer window kind of thing. I, I agree with you up to a certain point. I feel like right now, I don't know if we really need someone just yet, simply because the rotation was so heavy. That yeah, that's true. The things that were bad seemed really bad, and the things that were you know good kind of seemed okay. I feel like had Rodrigo scored that goal, had, had Vinny scored that goal, and it was a more dominant performance in every third of the pitch, if Madrid held on to the ball with more purpose, because they had possession, they dominated possession, but it was possession without purpose. The ball didn't really flow and it didn't really move with efficiency that you would see if Tony Cruz was on the pitch. So I think like on opposite ends, things were just highlighted. Yeah, it's true. I mean, obviously it's hard I agree to with you too. get that line to play yeah. well because they don't play together often. So it's a and lack they- of connection much at all even if they don't play enough often together they don't even get minutes that much anyway i think nine out of the starting 11 of course you cancel out the goalies were not in the 10 most played players of the season so far so i because really if you look at that starting lineup the people who started more than 50 percent of these games this season would be rafael Varane. And Casemiro. Because in everybody else, you look at the front three, those kids have rarely started games. You look at the midfield, Luka Modric was out for a good amount of time. Isco is out for a good amount of time. Audrey Zola doesn't play. And I mean, why the flip should he? He's not even that good, to be fair. And then there's Furlan Mendy, who's, yeah, he's playing. Um, he got, I don't want to say lucky, but he kind of got handed a bit of a saving grace in, in parts over the course of this season so far because of Marcelo's injuries. Now, I'm not saying I don't want him to start, but I just think because the starting lineup was so heavily rotated, it just exacerbated the fact that like things just didn't look good or there was no cohesion. 
Yeah, definitely. Um, yeah, that's pretty much all it is. It's just, again, a lack of understanding. And that, that, that happens to a lot of teams. Like, um, so it's not something that people should be too concerned by. To I think honest. what Zidane will do from here, though, is he'll take this opportunity to look at that 11 and incorporate maybe half of the same players with half of the start, like Real Madrid's true starting 11 against lesser opponents. Maybe not just in the maybe not in La Liga just yet, of course, because there's like really important games coming up. But against lesser opponents and maybe in the early stages of the Copa del Rey, I think that would be a more suitable time. To, to kind yeah, of, yeah, definitely. To like tweak. That's what I keep saying to a lot of people who keep obviously clamoring for Jovic to start more games. Like we've got an entirely new competition still yet to start, um, so there's there's no major concerns. And plus, we're going to play sort of lesser teams to start with anyway. So, you know, last year we had like Melia and teams like that where the starting outside don't need to be anywhere near those kind of games. And it's perfect for players like Jovic to kind of have those less pressure games um, against opposition where they're not too tricky to play against and it allows him complete time to embed with the system instead of focusing on, well... This team's obviously like a, a mid-table, a league side, um, that sort of thing, really. So, like when he's play, playing against obviously these lesser sides that you know come up from like Secunda and places like that, obviously because the quality is a little bit less than what you you would face in the league. It gives him just that bit, bit easier position to kind of. But I think it was like an extra bit of preseason almost is the way I'm looking at it. Well, obviously, he didn't play much in preseason. For sure, I, it's a, like. You already said it. It's the perfect opportunity to play, and people aren't even remembering the fact that, like there's a whole other competition that hasn't yet started for Real Madrid because it just hasn't started yet. I mean, there's nothing you can do about it. There's opportunity for minutes, but that's, I think, one of the biggest problems with fan bases of really big clubs is like the expectation. is like It has to be so instantaneous, and I think it just comes down to life as well. Like You order a package on Amazon, and you have Amazon Prime, and if it doesn't show up at your house, you know, like, the next day, it's like, oh, dear God, like, why do I pay this, like, $10 a month for Amazon Prime? It's not going to be here. Like, the the way, like, the world works now and just wanting results so quickly, it's kind of scary. But it's the same thing being applied to football. That's why I think, like, fan bases like Ajax are really interesting because they're not as like reactionary like they love to see like growth and development and like you know their prospects and younger kids and academies like get better over time whereas like a real madrid it's like hey you better come here and like score 20 goals a season and have 10 assists and be a front runner for the freaking pachichi award or some guy <laughs> you know like there should be at least three players nominated for the pushkas every year like man y'all need to slow down just a little bit Jovic will find yeah, it. I agree. It's a problem sure. that you also got to consider the beliefs of obviously varying clubs as well. So Ajax have always been kind of famous for being that kind of club that breeds talent and relies on their academy. Whereas uh, it's not the way I haven't, but obviously the path to the first team from the academy to uh, to the first team is not as clearly laid out as it is at say Ajax, Barcelona, and those sort of those kind of clubs so that's that always is a bit of a problem as well like we're not not really used to that kind of way of 
I guess way of life in the in the football world. Um, yeah. Which is obviously they need to get used to it because, you know, obviously judging by how Perez is going about his business in the market now and stuff, aiming for these younger kind of stars, he needs the people need to understand that um, these guys do take time to embed and it's not just a walk in the park to let these guys just walk in like not not every young player is going to do that not every player is Kylian Mbappe for example <laughs> where they're just coming in like straight off the bat scoring against Juventus in the Champions League and that kind that kind of freakish level of ability it's yeah. just it's so rarely seen well he's definitely like a generational player like there's there's no question about it but anyways let's move forward to how this Champions League wrapped up. So if you don't know, here's a little explanation to the Champions League football round of 16. Basically what happens, all the teams that finish first in their group are placed into one pot. All the teams that finish second in their group are placed into another pot. And then, of course, they're drawn up against each other. But there are some stipulations. Uh, You cannot play a team from the same city. Or, sorry, you cannot play a team in the round of 16, that comes from the same country as you. So, for example, if you're a Spanish team, you can't play another Spanish team. If you're a Premier League team, you can't play another Premier League team, and so on. And the other one, which is important, is you cannot draw a team in the round of 16 that you played against in the group stage. So, the teams that finished first in in their respective groups of Champions League this year are Barcelona, Bayern Munich, Juventus, Manchester City, PSG, Liverpool, Valencia... And is it RB Leipzig? Is it R- Leipzig? Yeah, Leipzig. My bad. Um, so yeah, you own three cultured teams. swine. <laughs> what? You own cultured swine. <laughs> yeah. Okay. You know what? Do you know how many Spanish names you say incorrectly, but I've never once corrected you? Fight me. You know, next time you do it, I'm gonna call you out on it. So call me out. I'm gonna call you on call it so hard. Go on, do it. Do it. Uh, do it. I will. <laughs> All right. So automatically three tier. Actually, I'll let you guys know the second place finishers as well. So Real Madrid, of course, Atleti, Chelsea, Borussia Dortmund, Napoli, Tottenham, Lyon, and Atalanta. Shout out to Atalanta. It's like the first time they've done it, right? First time they've done it, and they also I think I don't know the exact way it went about, but they went something like they lost the first three games. Um, and were on, I think, just a point on the fourth, and somehow managed to qualify. Um, still, so it shows how competitive or uncompetitive that group was. I didn't look into it that much, but I think that's the first time that's ever happened. Yeah, yeah shout out to them for doing that. Some groups are really interesting, and some groups are really freaking boring. But anyway, uh, back to Real Madrid. So there's three teams they automatically, of course, can't come back against Barcelona and Valencia because they both play in La Liga and Paris Saint-Germain because they, of course, were in the group with them. So that leaves Bayern Munich, Juve, Manchester City, Liverpool, and how do you say it, Mr. German? Which, which one are we on about here? Yeah. Bobby Salzburg. Yeah, whatever. Anyway, <laughs> real quick, if you had to pick your team, if you could pick any team for the round of 16, who are you picking? Actually, sorry. What? Pick the team that you want to face the most and the team you would not want to face at all. Okay, so uh, Leipzig's obviously the most ideal one for Real simply because they're probably the easiest on paper. The one I wouldn't want to face at all would probably be... I think I'd say Man City. I don't know why. I've just 
don't fancy them at all. Huh? I know they're in a bit of a patchy bit of form, but yeah, Manchester Actually, City, I just don't can fancy you do this them. For me, I'm really curious. Can you rank it? One being the team you think would be most difficult to play against, all the way to five, because there's five possibilities. Yeah, so I think for uh, the worst possible one, as I said, would be would be a Man City for for for, for this. For us, to be honest, because yeah, they're in a bit of sticky form, but by and large, I think they'll probably have got their shit together by then. Uh, and the, the main reason they're struggling is because they've got barely any centre backs that are fit at the moment or of good standing. Because obviously, Amrit Laporte is injured, I think, still. I'm not sure when he's actually back. I've got a feeling it's January. Uh, after them, I'd say Liverpool, obviously, because they're Liverpool or Liverpool as much as. Zidane and Jeff saying that he thinks that they'd eliminate them. I know he's probably joking, but realistically, I don't really fancy their chances against Liverpool. Juventus third, Bayern fourth, and Leipzig fifth. Okay, so I'm curious because I'm writing an article on this, which, I mean, I hope I can finish today. Um, but <laughs> the team I would like to face the least, in from least to wanting to face, I guess, it would be... Liverpool first, then Juventus, Manchester City, Bayern Munich, and then Leipzig. I find it interesting you rank Juventus so high. Is that just the Ronaldo factor, or do you actually genuinely find them that threatening? I don't think it's just the Ronaldo factor. Like, that's all it is. Like, I, I think because he left the way he left, and sure, there might be rumors suggesting that he kind of regrets leaving now and wishes he was still at Real Madrid. Man, like... If he if he truly left, even if it's just a, a small percentage of the reason why he left, and it was because he didn't feel that love and affection from the fans of Real Madrid and the club and whatever, like you're gonna go back there with a vengeance. The crazy yeah. he even yeah, said yeah. himself about the possibility of drawing Real Madrid, and he said, "Listen, if there's a way I could write it down on paper that we play them in the final instead of the round of 16, I prefer that." Holy smokes, the fact that you'd want to devastate your old club in a final as opposed to a round of 16. I mean, if that doesn't, I'm not saying he's evil or he's a bad person or he's got a dark heart or he's addictive or anything like that. I'm just saying, if you want to come up against your old team in a final, the cojones, man, they're massive, huge. Yeah, definitely, man. Uh, and obviously, we've seen what the man can do firsthand, you know. For many years, many, many years, you know, back to back to back. Um, so, like, when the pressure's on and he has to perform, that man performs. Uh, it doesn't matter who it's against, he will literally just bury them single handedly. Uh, we saw it last year with Atletico, he literally yeah. single handedly buried them. Like, it, so, it, yeah. It's not the Theologic. most notable performance, but I don't remember what year it was or what round it was. It was definitely knockouts. I'm pretty sure it was against Wolfsburg. Was that 17-18? No, I think that was 15-16. That was the first year that Zidane won the Champions League. Uh, yeah. So just from okay, the sorry. commentary from Peter Drew, it was brilliant. Yeah, 15-16. Single-handedly scored a hat-trick. Single-handedly. Yeah. That, yes, he had the overhead kick, and there's the incredible performances against Juve and Bayern Munich and every flipping team he, he played against. He showed up. Like, he was there. But, oh my gosh, that... If there is one Champions League performance that stood out for me, it was definitely that one. 
So that was that was a mad. I, mean, I can see why you suggest that. Sixteen, uh, seventeen, though, man. That just that entire knockout campaign thing was ridiculous. Just like that, that entire year was just. Because the, the craziest thing is, I remember the amount of people on Twitter that were like memeing and saying, "Group stages ended. Ronaldo's only got two goals." The rampage that he went under in the knockout stage was. It's probably the greatest campaign in the knockout stage I probably will ever see in my life. It was unbelievable. It was uh, he scored that hat trick against Atletico, then he got a brace against, and then there was the hat trick against Bayern Munich or the brace he got against Bayern Munich. Was that when he hit uh, him on the wall and beat Neuer? I think so. No, that was that was the La Decima year. Uh, I'm referring to the year when Hammers. Uh, no, it wasn't when Hammers came back. That was the year after. Um, no, the very. Uh, uh, that was the second time they faced Bayern, so they faced the face in the quarters. I'm going to revisit that run because it was a joke of a run. Um, so while I'm doing that, we'll okay, continue you, to yeah, fanboy you, over Ronaldo. You look it up. You look it up. Uh, we'll, we'll skip ahead to La Liga in the meantime while you look it up. I'll just preview the match. Uh, anyway, so we'll get back to that. Of course, Real Madrid, just two games left in the calendar year of 2019. The first is against Valencia, which is happening this Sunday before the big game against Barcelona, that is El Clasico. Right now, Real Madrid sit in second place, tied on points with Barcelona. Both of them, of course, a game in hand. But Real Madrid, just a peg behind, two pegs behind, uh, because of the goal difference. I think just needing to beat up on smaller teams. And yeah, it sounds disrespectful, but... When it's been week after week, these teams are level with one another. Yes, I know it's a game in hand. Irrespective, though, they're level with one another on points, and the only thing separating them is goal difference. I think it's going to be so important, or it could be really important at some point, and maybe even the final day, who knows, that goal difference just separates this tie. In any case, Valencia currently sit in eighth spot. In their last five games, they've won four. So they've gone two, a loss, and then two wins, which is pretty good. They have 26 points. Uh, that's also tied with Atleti and Atletico Bilbao, who also have 26 points. Of course, goal difference, the only thing separating them. So they're not too far because so many teams are tied with one another on points. So they're only eight off the top. I mean, which is a lot, but whatever. I think you know what I'm trying to say. <laughs> yeah, um, they're not going to make it at this point, though, no, I don't think. They're, I think they're going to battle for third at this rate. I think they, I think they can battle for third in this race because they're only five off of third, five points behind third place, which is right now held solely by Sevilla with thirty-one points. So I think they could definitely do something there. It's not the easiest of games, of course, but it's also not the hardest of games. There are some players on Valencia who could definitely cause a couple of problems for Real Madrid. Um, but yeah, did you find your stat yet, or do you want me to keep going? Uh, no, I found, I found the, uh, the the run that he did. So they played Napoli in the round of 16. I can't remember how many scored against them. Then it was Bayern Munich. Uh, then it was Atletico. And then obviously Juve in the final, which was just it was bonkers, man. Stupid, stupid run. And was he scored Breitis. Bayern Munich year that Kimmich scored goals in both legs. That pissed me off because he scored, I think, the opening goal in both legs. And it was like relatively early in the match. Or it could have been. Uh, I think it might have been, yeah, but. I love Kimmich, man. I, I, he's a he's one player I'd love to have had have had at the club at one point. To me, he's probably the best right back in the world. I won't, I won't begrudge him with that. The guy's so good. Ah, he's very good. But whatever. He doesn't play for Real Madrid. We ain't talking about it. 
sadly not, but yeah. Anyway, uh, what do you think of this game coming ahead? And then we'll do starting 11s and I'll go first again because, you know, I need to. <laughs> well, the Mustafa has historically always been a bit of a tricky place to go in recent years. Um, but this year, I don't think that's going to be the case, uh, which people may think is a bit of a weird thing to say considering it's Valencia away. Valencia typically always that side that cause uh, Real problems, but there's a method behind the madness, folks, I'm telling you. Valencia go into this game with some very, very, very big very big absentees. Uh, Jasper Silicon won't be in goal for them. They no longer have Neto because he's now at Barcelona. So I don't know who their centre-back is. Uh, not centre-back, sorry, goalkeeper is back at goalkeeper. No idea who he is. So that's going to be a bit of a blow for them. Gonzalo Guedes is also out. He's a a player I'm actually a very big fan of. I was going to um, say, I'm, I'm actually looking at the lineup and I'm glad you decided to go first because I was going to point out some good players for Valencia. But sorry, carry on. Yeah, Gonzalo Guedes is out. Maxi Gomez is out. Kevin Guerrero also is out. Uh, Lee Kangin, who's been a bit of a revelation for them this season, is also out. Um, I don't know how, how big of a deal Cristiano Puccini is. I don't think he's that big of a deal. Um, but yeah, they've got some pretty big holes to fill in that squad. They have big holes, but there are some <clears throat> good players left. Who yeah, are there so there is Rodrigo, of course. We all know who he is. Daniel Voss has been a bit of an issue for Real Madrid in recent years. And then there is also Jose Luis Gaia, who is a decent defender if you've watched any other game. Or Valencia is playing, of course, not against Real Madrid, but you will see he is a player that's kind of important to that back line. And did you say Danny Perejo is injured as well or no? No, Perejo, I didn't say he's injured. I'm pretty sure he's fit. Yeah, he's also pretty good. <clears throat> oh, of course. He's one of the guys you missed. Their latest golden boy, Ferran Torres. He's a bit, of a bit of a revelation for them this season as well, but hopefully they don't have too much joy with him. So, I don't know. It should be interesting. Like, it's not going to be easy, but it's every game is one of those games where, like, it could be <laughs> that you look back at and be like, it was that one. If we. But really, these games against these, like, freaking mid level, mid table teams, like, those are the ones that are just so, like, you'll kick yourself for it at the end of the season. Yeah, so. it's these kind of games where a season is one of the last for sure. Um, Shout out. Historically, uh, Rail have won many and lost many titles as a result. Like, uh, the game against Alavis, for example, is prime proof of that. Um, you, you win those kind of scrappy games as to how you sort of find yourself winning the league title, whereas historically, Rail have always gone to games like that and been the type of team to just come out with like a two-all draw or something stupid like that. So it's good to see them actually finally digging deep and getting their hands dirty. Uh, shout out to another Real Madrid player, Denis Shiroshev, former, that is. Um, remember when we played him in the Copa del Rey that one year and then the FA was like, hey, he wasn't eligible, get out of the Copa. And then everyone's like, what? What are you talking about? Yeah. Oh yeah, that was that was horrible. That was, I that, think that, that was after exactly... Benitez, right before. Yeah, it was, yeah. yeah. Uh, it was a... before he was canned, but it was that moment I was. I mean, I didn't want Rafa Benitez when they appointed him anyway. I said from the start that was a terrible appointment. 
Yeah, but that's not his that fault. Point. By the way, what are you talking about? Well, it kind of is his fault because it's it's for him to know these things. And oh come on, man! You cannot be putting that on the head coach to be checking eligibility. Yeah, but he he picked his he picked his coaching stuff, and those are the sorts of people who tell him, "Yeah, this is what's currently ongoing." So he's obviously picked the crap backroom stuff uh, bunch, uh, as well as being just not generally not the right man for Madrid, anyways. I mean, he pretty much pissed off the entire locker room while he was there, other than Gareth Bale. So, yeah, not not a guy that I was really a big fan of when he was appointed, and was kind of glad when he was sacked. To be honest. Yeah, you're weird. (laughs) This is one of those things where we have to do like a podcast episode where we just reflect on the entire decade that's just obviously come to a close. Well. I think after the Barcelona game, maybe we should because there are no... Actually, no. Is there one more game? There is, right? I don't know when the La Liga winter break starts. It's, I think it is in and around that point. Let's have a quick look. Oh, shit. I don't know why. I mean, shoot. Yeah, there is a game on the 22nd. It's against Bilbao. Oh, yeah. I forgot about that game. And then after that, yeah, that's the final one until the 4th of January when we travel to Hitafe. Yeah. And then we travel to... Whatever the hell that Supercopa de España has been playing. I think it's Saudi Arabia. It's in Saudi Arabia, you fool. Hello? Uh, yeah, it is Saudi Arabia, isn't it? I was double-checking it. Yeah, it's been played in the King Abdullah Sports City Stadium. That's a great stadium on FIFA. I'm not sure if I have teams playing it. in real life. Though. I've seen it in real life. It's really nice. A lot of the stadiums in that side of the world are very nice, though, to be fair. They're very well constructed. It's just obviously the whole ethics argument behind it, but that's a can of worms. I'm not going to open. Because yeah, it's a dangerous can of worms to open. Yeah, oh. I don't want to get into that argument. I don't think anyone wants to get into that argument. It's, non- it's a never-ending argument. Yeah, that's not true. Uh, so let's, let's avoid that. Yeah, so... We could do a, like a little wrap up to the decade. That could be interesting. Could be fun. I'm a little confused. So I just got a package in the mail. <laughs> and there's like, socks. But like, I didn't order these socks. I don't know what the hell to do with these. <laughs> Someone just sent you socks. N- no, like it says I ordered it, but I honestly don't remember ordering these socks. Like, first of all, they're women's socks for boots. Why would I order women's socks? Well, never float your boat, Carl. No, I mean, like, I can get if I ordered it for my sister, but what the hell? This is so weird. I don't even remember spending the money for this. Welcome to uh, Friday Night Evenings with uh, Real Life Problems. Hosted by... Dude, this is honestly so weird. (laughs) It says I ordered it on December 9th? What the hell? Yo, I don't even remember ordering this shit. How do I so you apparently ordered women's socks that you don't remember ordering. <laughs> it's final sale? Oh, shit. Um, <laughs> if any woman out there wants to buy boot socks from Hunter, they're the tall ones, size medium, let me know. I'll hook you up. He's <laughs> selling That's socks. Stupid. It's kind of just ruined my day. Whatever. I really don't care. Um, let's just do these freaking start. 
I'm so mad about this right now. Okay, <laughs> let's do the article 11 so we we'll wrap up this podcast. Okay, so my 11 is I think Zidane's going to go back to a mixed balance of the starting 11. Or he's just going to go guns blazing because this isn't a game you can really fool around with. Courtois is definitely starting back at net. Ramos and Rafael Varane are going to take the spots in the center back positions. Danny Carvajal on the right back. Fernand Mendy on the left back. I don't think Marcelo is fully ready to play yet. He might need to correct me there. I could be wrong. As far as I'm aware, I don't think I've seen anything about him returning to, to the squad. So Wonderful. Uh, I do wish James Rodriguez was fit because I feel like this would be a wicked game for him to play. I don't know why. I just feel like he could be really impactful in a game like this. But I must digress. So my midfield, of course, is going to be the mini-goat Federico Valverde. Casemiro's probably going to start, even though it's probably going to have me on the edge of my freaking seat. Karim Benzema is going to go back to his number nine spot. I don't know why, but I feel like Gareth Bale is going to start this game. And I'm not saying it in a voice where I'm lamenting about it. I just think something just feels like he's going to, he's going to start this game. I don't know why. And I think it's going to be good, though, which is why I said it like that. Like, I think he's going to have a good performance. And then out on the left, geez, I don't even know. Like, I really don't yeah. know. Yeah, where'd you go? Like, you have to go for Vinicius. Like, who else can you go for? Because Hazard... Uh, did... Yeah, it's not, it's not like you can even say Lucas Vasquez for a joke because he's not even fit. Hey! That's not a joke. Uh, it is a joke. He's a joke. You're a joke. Do you play for Sorry. Real senior team? Do you? Yeah, I do. Yeah, on freaking FIFA 20. <laughs> I'm the captain. Yeah, um, exactly. What about the rest of your lineup? You haven't, you haven't given us the rest of it. You, you're missing two people. What the hell? What do you mean? I swear you didn't give us a striker and a right winger. Yes, I did. I just. Okay, I, I literally I said Benzema will for nine spot up top, and then I like talked about it for a full minute. I said I don't know why, but for some weird reason, I feel like Gareth Bale is going to get a starting spot because Rodrigo I'm shook about the socks. Huh? I'm still shook about the socks. That's why. You're. Um, you're see- even you're shook about the socks. I don't understand the socks. <laughs> what credit card was used to purchase this? It doesn't even tell me. <laughs> the socks are throwing me off. Um, yeah. <clears throat> my my goalkeeping situation. Courtois returns between the sticks. How much did I pay for these socks? <laughs> um... I don't know who's going to start a left back. Really don't. Nacho, probably. What? Why not Mendy? He's, he's got a red card in the last game, remember? It's suspended. Oh, shoot! <laughs> Forgot about that. Okay. Yay. It's because you played against Bruges, it threw you off. Um, yeah. Okay, i got to fix my back four then. So it's going to be... Just your left back, isn't it? No, no, no. I'm changing the whole thing, fam. Okay. You do you, man. It's going to be Danny Carvajal on the left and Audrey Zola on the right. Boom. That's it. Oh, God, Audrey Zola. Um, I just don't want to see it. You hate to see it. Um, yeah, Nacho left back, I think, maybe. Ramos and Varane centre-back. Carvajal at right back. 
midfield. I'd, I'd hope he doesn't play, but I just know he's going to. So Casemiro, Cruz, and Fede. And then up top, I'm going to go with Vinicius, Benzema, and oh, I'm torn between Rodrigo and Dale. I'm just going to say Bale. Screw it. Gaza Bale's going to return to the XI. I, I don't know. I just feel like Zidane has this pattern that he's kind of followed where he doesn't want to just give Rodrigo too many minutes. And I think he's also trying to help with the, the mental side of things and how the media may affect him. I mean, like, he, had a, he had a good game against Bruges. I mean, he had that hat-trick of two I, I just think he doesn't want to overload the kid with pressure and make him feel that he needs to have some sort of contribution in every game. And I think pacing him out through the season is his way of doing that and allowing him to kind of like take his time to get settled as opposed to like keep pushing him into the starting 11, especially in games when you know there's like much more importance on winning. I just think it's a, it's a little unfair, especially because you know he's a good product and you're just trying to refine that finished product. You just don't want to add, you don't need all the added pressure to kind of yeah, like... Yeah, Yeah, definitely. It's a smart move and obviously there's nobody better than Zidane at that kind of man management ability. So, in Zizou, we trust. Okay. I don't know why you said it like that. Sure. What's wrong with it? This is nothing. You're done. You're starting eleven, right? This podcast has been way too freaking long. That's forty-one minutes. See what these stupid socks did? Added five <laughs> minutes to this podcast. Now, no one's probably even listening at this point. So screw it. We're gonna wrap this podcast up. The next one will be on Monday. Can't wait for you. I don't know what I'm saying. I can't wait to be back on the podcast. Is what I'm saying. It'd be good to talk about the game on Valencia. Of course, there's gonna be the big one on the Wednesday against Barcelona. Um. So yeah. Follow us on, or make sure you check out the page, therealchamps.com, for all the cool pre- and post-match content. And of course, there's going to be even more pre- and post-match content for the Barcelona game, so stay tuned for that. Uh, Share this podcast, because we'd really appreciate it, and we'd like to grow this podcast. If you would like to feature or be a guest on the podcast, uh, feel free to DM me or Hassan. Hassan's at is at thehaskarim, or mine, which is at mnizamdin7. Yeah, send us a DM. We'll find a time that works for everybody. And we'd like to have some guests. doesn't matter where you are in the world. Uh, let us know. I think it'd be really cool to connect all the Real Madrid fans. But anyway, thanks for listening. Check it out on the website if you haven't already. And share this. Hasa, any closing remarks? Well, at least you'll be wearing your new socks for the new episode. I'm not wearing the socks. The women's socks. <laughs> uh it's 2019. It's an open society. I understand it's an open society, but I'm not wearing <laughs> knee-high flipping socks. Oh, the knee-high socks, Jesus. Dude, I'm telling you, do you know the company Hunter? It's English. You should know it. Yeah, I've heard of Hunter. Yeah, you know the Hunter rain boots, like the tall ones women wear? Yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, like, there's men's ones, too, but I've yet to see a man wearing them in Canada. But anyway, these <laughs> socks are meant for those. Does anyone you know own these headhunters? No! So how the hell have they ended up in your possession? I don't know, which is what I'm trying to tell. Like, I ordered hunter boots for my sister a couple of days ago, but I don't remember ordering socks. 
And also, if I ordered them together, why would they come in separate orders? It doesn't even make sense. Maybe it's a gift from hunters. What, for free? Maybe. What the hell am I supposed to do with that? Wear them. I'm not wearing them. You're a joke. <laughs> Wear them, man. You're an absolute clown. Anyway, this podcast is done. Thank you guys so much for listening. As always, hello Madrid, and enjoy your weekend. Peace out. See you on Monday.